0: What's happening, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate today for May the 28th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams, and today I'm not wearing a tie. That's not the normal intro, but we have got some housekeeping to do, let me tell you. So, of course, the show has been on hiatus for the past couple of days, which was because I was on vacation, a much-earned vacation, if I would say so myself, so we are so sunburnt, just beyond crispy, and a tie is very, very hot, so we're going to be going a bit casual today with the traditional t-shirt. I hope that's okay for you video viewers. If it's not, I apologize. There are many other episodes, and many in the future, in which I will have a shirt and tie on. With that being said, not that big of a deal. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys are doing well. And today we've got some pretty big news and a ton of news because we're kind of captioning, cap, uh, we're, we're catching up of what we've missed over the course of the past few days that I have been on vacation. And let me tell you, there's been a good chunk of news. Of course, we've got the Call of Duty story, which is our headliner for the day, and Ubisoft Pass, which is a subscription-based service similar to Origin Access that has popped up online, AMD's new line of graphics cards, some Dead Island 2 discussions, uh, a ton of stuff to break down in today's show. But before we jump into that, if you are brand new here, this is a daily gaming news podcast that is hosted on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. We'll talk about that in a moment. Five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time if you did want to catch the show live. But then it's taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media as well as podcast services around the world. So let's backtrack for just a moment. Twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams, that's the other big thing that slipped my mind. Uh, We have done a name change here on the channel for Twitch. After years of terrible usernames, and then stuff like Samuel Adams Live and The Samuel Adams, we now have officially acquired Twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. It's not the beer brand, it's actually me. So boom, shakalaka, there you go, dunk on that. We now have twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams, which of course the graphics have since been updated and I'll have to edit them before I edit this video. I just continually make more work for myself. Uh, But that's all of the housekeeping for today, I promise. For those joining me live in the chat, I appreciate you being here. Gregory, hope you are doing well. Uh, And without further ado, because we have been talking enough for today, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, the next Call of Duty is called Modern Warfare. Yes, it is actually called Modern Warfare. The first Modern Warfare was called Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, so it's only natural that the fourth Modern Warfare is called Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Confused yet? That is video games for you. News of this year's strangely named Call of Duty leaked out via YouTuber Long Sensation this morning. Activision has been showing the game to press and influencers, YouTubers and streamers, for a week or two now, so a leak like this was inevitable. Kotaku has not seen the game or agreed to any embargo, but they have heard from many sources connected to this Call of Duty world that it is indeed Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and that it's a soft reboot of the first one developed by Infinity Ward for release this fall. It will be heavy on troubling, realistic emotional moments very much inspired by the controversial No Russian campaign in Modern Warfare 2 that allowed the player to gun down civilians, a very controversial mission in that game. Kotaku also broke the news on Saturday. The Activision's mega popular military shooter series has also been in flux with Black Ops studio Treyarch taking over the lead development on COD 2020 from Sledgehammer and Raven. Video games are insane and this Call of Duty story just proves it because we have the repeat of the past. We have a second Modern Warfare. Not to be confused with Modern Warfare Remastered, which came out a couple of years back. That didn't even include the four. It was just Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. So, but the question that comes to my mind is: In five to ten years, what's going to happen? Whenever this year's Call of Duty gets remastered, is it going to be Call of Duty: Modern Warfare rebooted, remastered? What are we going to do with that? But I digress. That appears to be what is happening with this year's Call of Duty. Is it a good idea? Potentially, and I want to talk about why. Uh, of course, this has been news that has been circulating as uh, you know over the course of the past few days. Uh, but generally. I think this could potentially be a good move, because if there is one thing that could save the current state of Call of Duty, it is generally just rebooting the franchise. Now, you might be saying, Sam, this isn't how a reboot works, and I would agree with you, Uh, because normally a reboot happens after a lot of time has passed, or at least a slightly significant amount of time has passed. Give it between 5 and 10 years, and then you can reboot something, Uh, such as what we saw with God of War, where God of War took a pretty big hiatus between God of War Ascension and the newest God of War that came out last year and that was for the better because the entire game And the entire way the game played changed. And it fundamentally changed where the franchise was going into the future. Because God of War, by all means, was not going to be, you know, making any kind of waves if it just continued doing the same thing over and over again. But with a lot of passion, with a lot of creativity, and with the time that is required to actually evolve something, it became a completely and totally new game. Uh, And I think that's kind of what they're trying to do with Call of Duty because it's begun to lose its identity I think is really what it comes down to, uh, because with Black Ops 4, it's trying to do so many different things, and of course it is a Treyarch game, uh, so it's not going to be quite the same experience as an Infinity Ward Call of Duty, but it just feels like there's zombies and then there's this campaign element that may or may not be there, multiplayer tends to be repetitive and pretty much the same thing with a couple of skews here and there, and then you have Battle Royale being into the mix now. There's just so much going on. I think that what would be a fantastic move is to completely take a step back and say, hey, Call of Duty is shifting. The industry is changing. We have to change with it. And there has to be some new idea, uh, some, some new concepts brought to the table. And I think that a reboot could be a good way to do that. But I agree with Gregory in the chat who says they need to give Cod a rest, I think. The biggest benefit to the Assassin's Creed franchise over the course of the past 5 years has been them taking time to actually create new experiences and to take a step back and instead of having this yearly grind and this yearly wheel of new games coming out, say, hey, the next game is going to be ready when it's ready. And I think that the industry overall, from content creators to people that are creating games, uh, tend to fall into these rhythmic, scheduled releases, whether the games are good or not, and whether the videos and the content is good or not. You get on a schedule and you just continually pump it out, and that's exactly what's happened with Call of Duty, mainly because it's a game that's continued to make money year after year after year. Uh, so, if they did not make a Call of Duty this year, they are leaving money on the table, but at the same time, it could potentially save the franchise going forward and be a big benefit as the years do roll on. However, again, this is a corporation. This is very much so a capitalistic society. They are not going to leave money on the table, so there is going to be a Call of Duty every single November slash October until the end of time, or at least until the end of the franchise, which very well could be coming in the next five years, I would say. But, With that being said, this year's Call of Duty is Modern Warfare. There is a rumor going around that news is going to be released this Thursday, I believe, uh, and we will definitely stay tuned for that info, and I will let you guys know what the hottest details are on the newest Call of Duty game, and if it is, in fact, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. However, but when there's a general consensus in the industry, including confirmation from Jason Schreier who has a ton of insider information, you can go ahead and bet your top dollar on the fact that this year's Call of Duty is in fact just simply titled Modern Warfare, which again could turn out to actually be a good move. But again, I do agree, the franchise overall is a bit tired. It's time to try something new. Uh, However, that's just my two cents. Let's talk about this Ubisoft Pass because this is a story that broke yesterday and it's one that I think maybe, potentially, could be a good move for those that are fans of Ubisoft games. The Ubisoft Store has accidentally leaked the existence of an Ubisoft subscription service. Reset Era forum members spotted a new placeholder image for Ubisoft Pass Premium, which is likely a subscription service by the French publisher. The image was available on the Ubisoft Store at one point, but has since been pulled. However, the Ubisoft subscription category was listed under Remains. Ubisoft does not currently offer any subscription services, so it is interesting that this category even exists. And, of course, there is the placeholder image, which is very much so empty. The original link also indicates, assuming that we are looking at an EA Access counterpart, that Ubisoft's offering will also come in different forms. Premium could, in this case, be the upper tier with increased benefits, which indicates there may be a basic equivalent with a lower subscription fee. And that is where the story ends as it stands today. Uh, but it does make sense, leading up to E3 in just a couple of weeks, that there is going to be some kind of Ubisoft subscription service announced, and that it's going to be similar to those that we already have on the market. And that very well could be a pretty good move. Now, the whole key here, whenever you're talking about a company's subscription services, is to ask the question of whether or not the companies have enough product to warrant having a subscription-based service. And with Ubisoft, absolutely. To be able to pay a low monthly fee or a low yearly fee, to have access to the newest Far Cry content, to have access to the newest Rainbow Six content, to have access to the newest Division content, there is tons of, of value in that, especially for people that love playing all of these games. And Ubisoft has mm a lot of games coming out Uh, so it very well could be a pretty good move for Ubisoft to go ahead and offer a type of subscription-based service especially if it includes stuff like DLC and and maybe character packs and stuff like that uh, for all these various games and IP Uh, but we have no further details as it stands right now it just seems like a switch was flipped just a bit early but it's a switch that I'm glad to see flipping because subscription-based services are fantastic in my opinion uh, for the gaming industry and for gamers as A whole because it gives you a lot of bang for your buck. Uh, In a way, it's kind of like Netflix, where you could pay whatever it might be now, $12 a month, something along those lines, and get a slew of new movies and content and television shows and original programming as compared to Blockbuster, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, when you go in and and $12.99 a month is going to get you what? two two movies for a, a week? Like, what do you get for that? It, it was completely overpriced. Uh, but subscription services allow you to give a deep dive into a variety of games. Uh, when we see their success with Origin Access slash EA Access if you play on Xbox One. And on top of that, stuff like Xbox Game Pass and even PlayStation Now, which is doing relatively well. Uh, but with every subscription service, the big hinge, the big key point, the big, you know, make it or break it factor is... Is there actually a genuinely good pricing model? Uh, Because price is everything for the consumer, and if it's too high, and if the the product that is being rented or subscribed to isn't worth the subscription price, the service is ultimately going to fail, and I think that you really have to do a lot of R&D on the back end to make sure that you are, in fact, pricing your products appropriately. But assuming that's all on the up and up, we could be seeing a pretty successful Ubisoft subscription service soon. And when you do have this subscription service, you could be playing the games on a brand new AMD GPU because we have the unveiling of the next line, the RX 5000 series. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive into some of these terms that I may or may not understand. Just as we expected, AMD took the wraps off its first 7nm Navi consumer GPUs today at the Computex, although the company is still playing coy with details. The Radeon RX 5000 series is the name of the new lineup, and the first featured card is the RX 5700, a mid-range offering that will go toe-to-toe with Nvidia's RTX 2070 GPU. At this point, the Radeon 7 keeps top billing for the company. You won't see Navi on the box, though, and AMD is officially calling its new architecture RDNA or Radeon DNA. Unfortunately, AMD is waiting until E3 to divulge specifics on these new-generation RDNA cards. For now, the company says we can expect 25% better performance per clock and 50% faster performance per watt with the new architecture compared to its older Graphics Core Next technology. In addition to being the first 7nm consumer video cards, the Radeon RX 5000 series will also support PCIe 4.0 and fast GDDR6 memory. In a brief onstage demo, we saw the RX 5700 go against Nvidia's RTX 2070 in Strange Brigade, where it emerged victorious by about 10%, but of course, pause. An on-screen demo never really shows you the final product in its full, fleshed-out format. Everything has been tested beforehand to ensure that it does make their product look better. Let's resume the actual article. One key feature is still missing, and that is ray tracing, which NVIDIA is banking on heavily with its RTX cards. For those that don't know, again, second pause. Ray tracing is basically incredibly realistic lighting, like orgasmically realistic. It is phenomenal-looking lighting, uh, and it really does kind of uh, get you more into the game game, so to speak. And I've seen it in GTA 5. I've seen it in a couple of games here and there. Uh, Of course, I don't have it on any of my stuff because, hey don't have that kind of dough, Uh, but it does look phenomenal whenever you compare even just in-game footage recorded via Elgato or whatever it might be. But even though AMD said it's developing ray tracing technology of its own, it seemed like something it would be eager to announce if it was going to be present in these cards. But during a post keynote chat with AMD CEO Lisa Su, she didn't rule out the feature and just hinted that we will hear a lot more during their E3 livestream on June the 10th so it very well could be coming. We view ray tracing as a very important element across the portfolio, so we will have it in a number of other places, Sue said. She added that AMD will ensure that the ecosystem also has broad support around implementing the technology. After all, if developers are reluctant to implement ray tracing as they have been with NVIDIA's RTX cards, it may never get enough traction to succeed. AMD says the Radeon RX 5700 cards are expected to go on sale in July if you did want to get in on the AMD world. Uh, So I think the big takeaway here is, number one, AMD is without a doubt stepping their game up and becoming uh, a true competitor with NVIDIA as we have seen them rising to over the past few years. Uh, Whenever I first built my original gaming PC, uh, AMD wasn't even considered in my mind because NVIDIA was just so far above and beyond what they were capable of at the time. But now, with a ton of research, a ton of new development, a ton of engineering on the back end, AMD is truly uh, pumping out some really good You know, content. They're they're pumping out good hardware, and I'm excited to see where they go in the future. But on top of that, uh, whenever you look at what these GPUs are bringing to the table, it's also worth considering that hey. This kind of tech is also going to be present in the next PlayStation as well, uh, because these, uh, of course, are the people that create the internal components for the next big consoles. And so whenever you're seeing these new GPUs come out and you were seeing this RTX, you know, uh, stuff being thrown around and you're seeing all this big, pretty beefy stuff uh, being brought out by Nvidia, keep in mind, all of this is likely going to be in the next PlayStation. Uh, And so, that just goes to show you what the next generation of consoles is going to be capable of. You could very well be seeing 4K60 ray-traced support on the next generation of consoles, which I think is pretty much a necessity at this point, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, If you did want to get in on the next-gen AMD products, you can look forward to them in July, and of course, more info coming at E3 in just a couple of weeks, where of course, I will let you guys know everything going on as it does roll out of the show, but Let's talk about these new tariffs, because every once in a while, once in a blue moon, I would say, uh, the politics world does actually blend with the gaming world. And so the U.S. considers a 25% tariff on game consoles, not exclusively, but it's part of a bigger Chinese deal. The Trump administration's escalating trade dispute with China could have a significant impact on gaming in the near future. As reported by Game Daily. the Office of the United States Trade Representative has proposed a tariff of up to 25% on a wide array of products imported from China. The U.S. has been raising tariffs on Chinese goods and waves since the middle of last year. The newly proposed product list is the largest yet, representing an approximate annual trade value of $300 billion. Tariffs on a $200 billion group of goods were raised earlier this month. The USTR says it covers essentially all products not already covered by previous tariffs, apart from a select few categories like pharmaceuticals, medical goods, and rare earth minerals. The extensive list of affected product categories includes video game consoles, game controllers, and coin-op arcade games. The USTR has invited comments from the public in regards to the proposed tariffs as a set deadline of June the 17th is currently in effect for those to be considered before action is taken. And so uh, you could be paying 25% more for your game consoles, your controllers, everything coming from China if these do go into effect. And again, you have until June the 17th to make your thoughts known on that. Uh, But of course, Huge trade war going on right now uh, with China, and I don't want to get too far into it because, again, people come to gaming to escape from from the scary real world, and I totally identify with that, and I understand that, but I did want to let you know that if you want to make your voice heard, if you want to put your two cents in, you have a couple of weeks to do that, because hey, you could be paying literally another hundred dollars for a PlayStation 4 Pro, if this is to go into effect, Uh, potentially more in the future as well, because this trade war is getting quite out of hand. Uh, But I digress, just wanted to point that one out, because hey, that was a terrifying news story to me, and I wanted to let you guys know what was going on. However... As we inch closer to E3, there is always a pretty good reminder that I feel like I should put out there. When you see things that are announced and they have very trivial announcement and release dates, just take them with a grain of salt because Dead Island 2 is still being made five years after it was announced. Yeah. I first saw Dead Island 2 in 2014, I think the author says, back when it was being made by Spec Ops, the line developer Jaeger. Since then, it has switched developers to Sumo Digital, which still has a page for it on its website, and not much... Excuse me, and it's not made much of a peep since, save for the occasional reminder that it still exists in some form. Today, we have another one of those, with THQ Nordic's Lars is mentioning the game during a financial presentation. Dead Island 2 is still being worked on, stay tuned, and that's it. You will find the relevant video, of course, they have linked it, although don't try and watch the whole thing unless Investor Chat doesn't send you to sleep. Secret projects from Volition, surely. Saints Row 5, Coffee Stain Studios, 4A Games, and Warhorse are also mentioned on the side, and you will see it in the video above as well. That last one is probably Kingdom Come Deliverance 2, set in 1506, which some believe was teased by the studio's Daniel Vivara back in January. And the left photo, features a whiteboard that mentions KCD2 1506, which is likely Kingdom Come Deliverance. For context, the original Dead Island released in 2011 during the first half of Barack Obama's presidency, and when LMFAO's Party Rock anthem was tearing up the charts. This dude nailed it, because that shows how long ago that was. That was a long time ago, and since then we have had a standalone expansion in Riptide and several unnecessary spinoffs, including a long shuttered MOBA. Original developers Techland went off to make Dying Light, a very solid free-running zombie FPS that is getting a better-looking sequel at some point soon, on top of a Switch announcement as well. Uh, But overall, if you were looking forward to Dead Island 2, it is still being made. I thought this one was stuck in development hell, and it very much so is, but will it ever find the light of day? It very well could. I'm not going to write it off. Of course, as it still is being developed, maybe it could turn into something that is bigger than it ever was intended to originally be. It very well could be getting a brand new coat of paint rebuilt from the ground up, and it could be the next big Left 4 Dead-esque game. You never know what people do uh, with these big franchises these days. Of course, what I said on a video that I made a couple of days back about Dead Island 2, I'm going to repeat here... I hope this game is good, and I hope the wait is worth it, because number one, Dead Island does have a pretty considerable amount of diehard fans, people like Dead Island, but on top of that, in my opinion, this is a middle-of-the-road double-A game, if you will, it's not quite AAA, it's not quite indie or, or whatever you want to call them, it's just kind of a middle-of-the-road game. And so, whenever you have an already middle-of-the-road game, if it's not great, this game is going to tank, and to have 5 plus years in development uh, under your belt on this specific project is crippling whenever it just tanks entirely. Uh, So I do hope Dead Island 2 does, in fact, come out on top, but I hope we hear more at this year's E3, because if we don't, I feel like this is just going to slip further and further back into gamers' minds, where it will inevitably be forgotten and completely and totally abandoned until it's released and then you find it on the Walmart clearance rack. But let's move on and talk about a mobile game because everybody loves mobile games. You have phones, right? That was the same amount of silence they had at BlizzCon. Tencent reportedly gives up on Arena of Valor. Honor of Kings Western revamp has been left to live or die on its own course after Rift with Riot Games. Chinese games giant Tencent has allegedly abandoned plans to grow Arena of Valor in the West. Sources tell Reuters that the company has taken and even disbanded the game's marketing team in the US and Europe and is reconsidering its strategy for overseas territories. Arena of Valor, which is a westernized version of Tencent's flagship MOBA Honor of Kings, was released in 2017 but has struggled to gain the traction the original enjoys back home in China. In a piece written for GamesIndustry.biz, Mentegral's Jeff Su cited Sensor Tower data showing the game had only generated $3 million in its first year, a figure Honor of Kings manages on a daily basis. The game reportedly only has 100,000 daily active users in Europe and 150 in North America, $150,000 is, with one of Reuters sources claiming, in those markets we really are just letting it live or die on its own course. The game's struggles are attributed to missteps in the game's development and Tencent's marketing strategy, as well as a rift with League of Legends developer Riot Games. Employees at Riot, which is 100% owned by Tencent, have complained that the game is essentially a ripoff of League of Legends and the relationship between the two firms became further strained when Tencent used notable League players to promote Arena of Valor and its esports tournaments. That was a low ball. Riot's complaints eventually triggered a two-month freeze in marketing for Arena of Valor, after which the developer was given the right to veto the use of selected celebrity gamers and even review all marketing plans. Other factors included the fact that hardcore gamers in the West prefer desktop-based games like League, whereas Honor of Kings thrives on mobile platforms like Tencent's WeChat and QQ. Despite Arena of Valor's struggles, Tencent continues to be pouring more efforts and resources into it, with one source saying the firm burnt a lot of cash on the game, offering an example of $4.5 million tournaments, where the one top prize was a Tesla car. Or at least one of the top prizes. Could be even more than that. Tencent is now turning to more Western-developed independent games, its acquisition of Swedish studio Sharkmob being a prime example, and the Wii Game cross-platform on PC, which is currently in its testing phase. Or I should say Wii Game X. I'm so used to reading Fortnite announcements where it's Fortnite cross the Avengers, or whatever it might be. I now read X as cross. Uh, But Of course, there has been no comment as of yet from Riot or Tencent, but this is huge for a lot of reasons because Arena of Valor was hypothetically going to be one of the biggest games on mobile because of the success of its counterpart, Honor of Kings. They're both basically the same game, but one is made for the West, one is made for the East. And so to see this game being completely and totally abandoned, I think says a lot about where mobile currently is in the gaming industry and what succeeds in certain parts of the world more so Uh, of course mobile is massive as we all know fortnite has mobile pubg has mobile Uh, there are talks of apex legends getting a mobile port on top of that we reported last week on league of legends itself getting some kind of mobile iteration and that would be massive around the world but i think what has to be considered whenever there's development going on behind the scenes to create uh, these big games for mobile devices is how many people actually are going to be playing them And I think that kind of uh, gets looked over a lot, because people in the West don't necessarily, as this article points out, uh, tend to play MOBA-style games on the go. I for one. think I represent pretty much the uh, the middle-of-the-road kind of mobile gamer where occasionally I will pick up my phone and play something, but I don't play in-depth games. I play for maybe between five and ten minutes tops, then I'm done. Uh, one round of PUBG Mobile every three months, potentially. Uh, I like the little small arcadey games where I might be on a bus or I might be waiting for a class to start or I might be just killing a couple of minutes here and there and I can just simply sit and play something very simple, close it out, forget it even exists until the next time I have a couple of minutes. That's the kind of gaming habit that I think most people uh, tend to take. Now, of course, I could be the outlier, but I feel like maybe I'm not. Uh, so, whenever you are looking at that specific style of of trend, whenever you are looking at that specific type of of use of mobile gaming. There is no spot for Arena of Valor, and quite frankly, it's a huge waste of money. Uh, So, to see them abandoning it doesn't necessarily surprise me, but I will be shocked to see if they actually do release some kind of iteration of League for mobile devices, which very well could overtake even Honor of Kings if the cards are played properly and if Riot and Tencent get behind some marketing push and maybe even utilize stuff like Twitch and YouTube to make the game big, because that's how it's done these days. Uh, But we will see what happens as this does continue to grow and evolve. Personally, I would love to see a League mobile game, I wouldn't play it, but I would love to see it, and of course, Arena of Valor, cheap knockoff. Ew. But, let's talk about Dauntless, because this game has gained a lot of traction over the course of just a very small amount of time. In fact, within 24 hours of its cross-platform free-to-play launch, Dauntless saw a half a million brand new players. Phoenix Labs free-to-play cross-platform RPG Dauntless has surpassed 4 million lifetime players, a milestone that comes just days after the game's full launch on PS4, Xbox One, and the Epic Games Store. Dauntless itself gathered over 3 million players while running an open beta for the last year or so, and a press release from the developer notes that it saw over 500,000 new players give the game a try within the first 24 hours of its full release. The game launched on May 21st and notably offered support for both cross-platform play and progression on three platforms right at launch, the first console game to actually do so. Dauntless is also due out for the Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android in the future as well. And so first off, congratulations to the team behind the scenes at Dauntless, because number one, 500,000 players out of the gate at launch is very impressive, even for a free-to-play game. But on top of that, to hit 4 million lifetime players is something that's very impressive so good for you uh, but on top of that the fact that this is a cross progression uh or cross-platform play Cross platform progression uh, game right out of the gate is something that no other console game has done. And I think it shows the future of the gaming industry because everyone can sit down and play with each other. If you have friends with an Xbox One, a friend with a PC, and a friend with a PS4, you guys can all play it together. And that is where the true value lies, especially when it's a game like this that is very heavily dependent on the team based effort. Whenever you can have your friends playing everywhere, That's the best kind of team-based game in my opinion. Now, for those that don't know, uh, Dauntless is basically being described as free-to-play Monster Hunter World, which is relatively accurate, if I must say so myself. Uh, but if you did want to dive in and give it a shot again, the game is free, out right now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, coming soon to the Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android. And, of course, cross-platform play potentially going to be on all of those platforms, which would change the game. And also, we'll see if restric- restrictions excuse me are put into play whenever you're talking about mobile, because that could potentially be a bit of a detriment. But I digress, cool to see the tech working in the favor of the gamers, without a doubt. Um, But, if you are looking to play Dauntless, and you don't have a console, and you're wanting to get one on the relatively cheap, the Microsoft Xbox One S could be for you, and if you are a fan of Fortnite, and a fan of the color purple, not the movie, the actual color, there is a big new leak for you to pay attention to. Microsoft will soon release a purple Fortnite Xbox One S a new leak has revealed. The new Microsoft Xbox One S Fortnite limited edition bundle launches in the US and Europe within the next few days and weeks and cost 299 euros German website WinFuture reports. Leaked packshot images reveal a design called gradient purple. The matching color is also purple and in full shine, as you can see from the leak here. Also included in the bundle is a new Fortnite skin called Dark Vertex and... 2000 V-Bucks. As with other Xbox One bundles, you do get one month of Xbox Live and one month of Xbox Game Pass to bundle in Uh, so overall if you are a again fan of the color purple then by all means this is the xbox one for you outside of that this seems to be marketed more towards that that kind of a 10 to 15 year old age range where they're looking to get the brand new xbox one and boom there's a Fortnite one comes with an exclusive skin looks pretty cool because the skin matches the xbox one and you'll wear it indefinitely and of course you do get access to live and a little bit of xbox live game pass as well so, if you did want to dive in, again, the uh, one terabyte is going to be launched in the next few weeks, if the leak is to be believed, and there is no confirmation as of yet, but I would say within the next few days, you are going to be seeing some kind of announcement regarding the brand new color of the Xbox One S. Not to be confused with the Xbox One S All Digital, this one does have the optical disk drive, just in case you were curious. However, let's talk about YouTube Gaming, because YouTube Gaming will merge with the main site after Thursday, for those that are fans of gaming streams on YouTube. The standalone site and app will be no more on May the 30th. After almost four years, YouTube is closing its dedicated gaming portal and merging it with the main platform. It announced the move late last year, but missed the original March shutdown date. YouTube gaming will cease to exist on May 30th, and visitors will get directed to a new channel for games on the main YouTube site instead. The app itself will also shut down. In the announcement on its Google support page, YouTube said that sending visitors to the main platform would make it easier for gaming fans to connect. We want to continue to build a stronger home for the gaming community that thrives on YouTube, not just the YouTube gaming app, the company said. As for any content YouTube gaming visitors have saved or viewed over the last few years, they are out of luck. YouTube says it is not possible to transfer games already saved on YouTube gaming and suggests that subscribers combine their gaming and normal YouTube subscriptions. YouTube gaming user Luke of K-Wings Let's Plays, which features games, walkthroughs, has partnered with YouTube since 2009. He says his channel benefited from the standalone site and worries that these changes will lead to gamers getting lost in the shuffle. The new hub doesn't have a wide variety of games and genres. Instead, it focuses on trending videos on Fortnite or your personal watch history. It is not a place where gamers can search for what games they are interested in and the channels that cover them, wrote Luke in a direct message to Engadget. YouTube Gaming arrived in 2015 in response to popular live streaming platforms like Twitch. The dedicated site had a different look and feel from the rest of YouTube, catering mainly to PC and console fans. The site attempted to put a spotlight on new rising personalities and often experimented with new features. YouTube's recommendation algorithms highlighted their videos across the site and led to more viewers discovering their work. However, Twitch continues to dominate the live streaming market according to data compiled by games analytics company Newzoo. The Amazon-owned platform saw nearly 64,000 users generating 1.9 million hours of live video content at the start of the year. During that same time period, YouTube Gaming had 22,000 users who produced 460,000 hours of content in that same period of time and so uh, what you have here is the end of YouTube gaming hypothetically now I will say as somebody who has taken time to do research and experiment with and stream on and play with and watch on Uh, Mixer and Facebook Gaming and YouTube Gaming, there was something special with YouTube Gaming, especially when it first launched, because there was this general alternative to Twitch. It felt like almost an alternate reality, if you will, where there were people getting a lot of views on YouTube Gaming, and there were people that had communities built on YouTube Gaming, and then new features would come in that were very similar to what Twitch brought to the table. Of course, you had, uh, you know, via site donations, uh, ways to support your favorite streamers in the same way that you have subscriptions on twitch and bits on twitch you had these similar entities over on youtube and of course integration with streamlabs tons of stuff like that and none of that is going away i also want to make that very clear streaming and gaming on youtube is still happening but it's just beginning to shift and change and kind of uh, become something that is more in line with where youtube itself is going into 2019. Now, I also echo the worries of the individual mentioned in the chat, because whenever you are talking about a gaming site, YouTube isn't that anymore, and I hate to be the one to be the bearer of bad news, but gaming content on YouTube does well, but that's not the main focus of YouTube. There are drama channels, there are beauty channels, there are vlogging channels, there are tech unboxing channels, there are so many different sects of YouTube, and gaming isn't the main one anymore, and so whenever you are taking that into consideration, it seemed to make sense to have a dedicated site, but at the same time, that isolated people to that specific site, so there wasn't any kind of cross pollination. It was difficult for people to find the amenities of YouTube gaming if you were just happening to be scrolling through YouTube. There weren't too many people trying to experiment with that, and so to see it dying is not necessarily a shock, but it is something uh, that I'm a little bit sad to see. So if you did want to transfer your subscriptions, follow more games, etc., I believe you can go to gaming.youtube.com, and that should go to the new landing where you can kind of play around, and it is very much so more limited. In terms of features etc but still unfortunate and to round out today's show i did want to say happy 10th birthday to infamous Uh, this is something that popped up on the sucker punch twitter feed over the weekend because infamous turns 10 years old from cole trish zeke and the team at sucker punch thanks for a decade of being the best fans we could ask for as we craft ghost of tsushima we thought it would be fun to look back at infamous 10 years After the fact. And of course, there are slews of facts that have been revealed, including some early development uh, footage of what the game actually looked like back in the day, which, make no mistake, Did not look that good. Uh, But so many cool little pieces of info here and there. So many early design concepts. Uh, They originally had some kind of mechanic where you could actually choose what kind of shop was on a street corner to increase morale. Adding some kind of different element there. Uh, But nonetheless, Infamous is a legendary PlayStation franchise. I love Second Sum, but truly, uh, the Cole McGrath early days of Infamous, uh, loved Infamous too specifically, are some of the best gaming memories I have from the PS3 era. And to Sucker Punch, I am forever grateful. But with that being said, that rounds out today's top gaming news. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, this is hosted right here on Twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. Yeah, I got it, baby. Uh, Five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time, if you did want to check out the show. And on top of that, it's then taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, as well as podcast services around the world, including Spotify, if you did want to listen to the audio version of the show. But until tomorrow, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your day. I will talk to you soon and peace.